2: I am so excited for the show today. This show has been provided by Nicole Condit Duncan Photography. She is a photographer, a travel photographer, and an international photographer all over the world, a humanitarian and a business consultant who has helped us everywhere. Um, this show is really special to us today. Nicole is also our Listen and Give Global Advisor, and we're so excited to have her uh, provide this show with us today. We have Robert Katende from Uganda, who will be coming on the show, from the queen. He's the real-life coach of Fiona Mutesi, who was depicted along with him in the Queen of Katwe movie about her and how she learned to play chess. And that was a Walt Disney movie. Then we have Esther Mbababzi. She was actually uh, shared with in the New York Times, um, about her award-winning work on the, uh, of teens and really excited about having her on. She depicted teen life. And then we have Nicole, who's going to share with us about her travels and being a mother and you know, comparing what she's seen in uh, her travels uh, abroad in Africa and other countries of everyday life With Robert and Esther to share and their thoughts and what we can learn from them today we're going to bring on Jay Logan in just a moment he is going to give you the news for the first five minutes of the program please listen in with him Um, and I'm going to bring Jay on now Jay is coming in to us from the San Francisco and Oakland area and I'm coming to you from the New York area and we are actually live broadcasting to you all over the world thank you so much as we bring on Jay Logan Mr. Logan, how are you today?
0: Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I am fine today. Jail, it's uh, sunny out of here. Started off cold, but I'm fine. California's doing well.
2: Well, Jay, you know, I know that you're going to bring in the weather for us and, you know, what the forecast is out there, okay? And we look forward to hearing what that is. So would you please give our audience uh, your five-minute broadcast on different areas that are going on around the world, if you wouldn't mind.
0: Okay. Um, uh, Gail, I'm wondering, do you ever play lottery?
2: Well, I do, and I'm going to bet the lottery right now that you're going to give our audience the right lottery numbers for them to win while I bring on our guests. What do you say about that, Jay?
0: Okay, well, I'm going to talk about a little lottery here, Gail. You go ahead and do what you got to do, and I'm going to talk about where this money actually goes, you know. Um, North Carolina, is they're asking uh, in that state, you know, where do the millions raised by the North Carolina education system lottery money goes? And, um, there, you know, a lot of teachers right now across the country, they're going on strike, and you're wondering why do they need more money, you know, with this lottery us playing lottery and portions of the lottery should go to the school systems. Um, So um, we're going to break it down here. We're going to find out in North Carolina, let's find out where those millions might go. So here's a uh, breakdown. I'm not going to read the whole article because you can find this on our website. Um, But I'm going to let you guys know that uh, research by CBS indicates that less than 1% of revenue raised by lottery sales was spent on salaries to benefit um uh was spent off to benefit uh, lottery employees, so the employees of the lottery they only get one percent of all those millions. Um, the rest went to education, but the lottery doesn't decide how that money is spent um, you know now north carolina North Carolina law says that the general assembly makes those decisions each year um each year in a state budget. The legislature can adjust which programs receive funds raised by the lottery, and not every county gets the same amount of lottery revenue. Now, I wonder why it's not split evenly through every county. Uh, Maybe the kids, and, you know, that varies, you know. Um, uh, The purpose, they say, for this explanation, well, used to wake uh, county breakdowns. Um, So in North Carolina, Last fiscal year, Wake County received a total of fifty-seven million dollars, roughly, um, and was broken down into five categories: um, thirty-eight million dollars for non-instructional support, which uh, include the cost of support staff, and um, also um, um, this. I'm sorry. Um you know, it includes of the, the excuse me, um, of support staff and a lot of the money um, that was raised um, is not going to the, the counties that needed it the most. Um ten million dollars was for construction, um, three point million dollars is for college scholarships and um, three million dollars is for pre kindergarten, um, and one million is for financial aid and grants. So this is how um, North Carolina spends his money. So I don't really see here where they're raising the salaries of teachers. So that might be the reason why um, uh, a lot of teachers are on strike right now, because they can't uh, really get any uh, money from the lottery system. So you would think that at some point somebody would say, hey, let's give our teachers who work really, really, really hard – Let's give them a raise. Um, nobody's uh, actually saying that. So hopefully we're going to put it out there and let's say let's give these teachers a raise. There's enough money in the lottery for everybody, and uh, we're going to ask that the legislature be changed and the people that are in charge will uh, uh, definitely, definitely take into account that they can pay our teachers more because guess what? Our teachers are the people who teach our kids. And uh, so I think if anybody should get paid a little bit more, it should be them. Next in the news, um, for those of you that have Apple Watches, um, Google Pixel Watch is coming out in the fall. Yes, that's right. Google Pixel Watches. I just can't wait for these watches to come out. Uh, They have have branded hardware that can help the uh, company Google, and they have a new OS, and they can compete now with Apple Watch, you know. So now I have an Apple Watch, you know, and Gail knows I love my Apple Watch. So I'm, I'm really curious to see um, how Google is uh, going to perform with their watch. Uh, Google was reported preparing its own smartwatch that would bear the Pixel brand, currently used on uh, Google's own 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 phones. Um, there will be a Pixel One, uh, excuse me, it'll be the Pixel Three XL. And sex generation Pixel Buds that will go along with this watch. You can put it in your ears. Um, and so I'm looking forward for this watch. Uh, should be out uh, any time. It might be out now. It said, it said, it said it will be out in um, in March. But I haven't seen them yet. Um, but I'm looking for it because I'm wondering how Google's gonna do that. It'd be cool to have a Google watch. Matter of fact, so I might be actually, you know, thinking about buying one. Um, and I hope you guys check out uh, the Google products. Uh, they make good stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to uh, buying one of those Pixel watches. Um, moving right along in our news segment here, um, I just want to say that um, we also had some wonderful people that were released uh, from North Korea, and I'm so glad that they are now home safe. And congratulations to uh, uh, America for getting its 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 people back because I think that's a great thing. We got some of our people back from North Korea, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, that's a wonderful news that these people are now free, and good luck uh, to um, to these people that have just returned home. Um, last but not least, uh, I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, about our, our music business here. I'm just waiting for my scroll to scroll up here. Um, just a second, um, you guys. Uh... Well, technology always uh, slows down when you're trying to uh, get things done. I'm looking at my, uh, my iPad. is not updating for my last segment here. So just bear with me for a second um. wow wow, 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 okay
3: no.
0: Hmm. Well, my last segment was uh it's not my it's not coming up on my iPad right now, but it was about um some of the people that are very successful in the music business um, and I can't really talk about it right now because I'm not getting my uh my phone is not updating, so just a second here, you guys. I'll try it one more time. Hmm. Well, right now that probably will conclude my new segment here because my technology is not uh, cooperating with me right now and uh, I'm not getting my uh, updates on my iPhone. So Try one more time here. All right, looks like it's it's coming now. Okay. My final segment here, still waiting for it to update. Um, We're going to talk about some of the successful um, uh, people in the music industry. Um, And uh, my phone is updating now. Okay.
2: Hello, Jay. We are back, and um, I have on the call, everyone, Nicole Condit-Duncan and Robert Katende. Welcome, Robert, and welcome, Nicole. We are very happy to have you at Listen, Give Live Savoy Radio today.
4: Thank Thank you, you for having me live on the radio.
2: Yes. Well, you know, and please meet Jay Logan, who is our uh, co-host here from San Francisco. Uh, Jay, would you please meet uh, Nicole, who you know already, and Robert Katende, also who is uh, live with us from Uganda. We're waiting for Esther Mbababze, and she should be on shortly, but we're going to move forward with the call while we wait for her, okay? And, um, you know, we just want to, Nicole and Robert, Jay and I are going to ask you a series of questions where we'll actually get into a discussion about it. And we ask that you tailor your answers to those questions and don't give out all the goodies uh, ahead of time because we want to get everything that we can from you while we're on the call so that we can learn from both of you and our audiences can also learn from you as well. Is that
3: okay with both of you? Yeah,
4: that's fine, thank you.
3: That's fine with me too, Gail. Looking forward to talking to you. Okay, great. So, um,
2: we're going to start off um, with, for those of you, as we mentioned before, um, Nicole is an international photographer, business consultant, and humanitarian. She's traveled many, many countries. I'm envious of it. She's had amazing experiences, and we feel she brings such an enlightenment to the call. Robert Katende has done amazing work. He is the real life coach from the Queen of Catway movie for Fiona Mutesi. He has brought youth to learn about chess that has increased their life uh, lessons and also increased their academic performance. And he continues and strives to support the youth in Uganda and really youth all over the world, as well as uh, uh, Esther and Bob, uh, Bob and Bubsy, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, and Nicole has as well. So we're going to start out right now. Uh, with this first question. Robert and Nicole, you both have experience with youth, you know, there in Africa, especially, Robert, you living there. I'd like to know what do you feel teens face there, being the population, is really youth today, okay? And especially when it comes to academics, what do you think life is like, you know, there? Robert, would you uh, start us off with that?
4: Yeah, thank you very much uh, once again for having us. I hope I'm live, I'm, um, I'm clear and you can hear me very well. Yeah, it's such, um, such an honor for me to be able to connect to such a show. Yes, definitely. It's good that you are starting with such a, a very uh, fundamental point that has to do with education. Uh, honestly, I can tell you that uh, it does break my heart already when it comes to education. And uh, seeing the trend of the Ugandan education, how it is now kind of going on, it has education has basically been commercialized. And uh, you find that uh, for us as social workers, people who are reaching out to the less privileged communities and the youth to see how we can restore hope and transform their lives, and help them to actually break the vicious cycle, which seems to be like a generational curse because their parents never got an opportunity, therefore they don't to have what it for them to afford the commercialised education. So it's quite absurd to see the trend and how actually the whole situation is going because when you talk of public schools in Uganda, uh, if you can afford even the fountain of honor himself he tells you that the public schools are for the poor. But when you go there that even actually the services are all poor because no one can afford and be able to take their children to public schools. So for sure, uh, personally, I interface with the children. I actually do stretch with my foundation work so even to even support children in private schools as I can be able to realize resources, because that's the only fundamental fact of change that can actually empower someone holistically. But it's quite something which I can't really explain, that it has in a better way right now, the trend is, or the curve is just going downward. So you find that the poor will definitely continue to be poor and then the rich will always continue to thrive because they can afford to take their children to school.
2: Well, we thank you for that That. Your thoughts on that. Nicole, could you weigh in on this? You have traveled extensively in Africa, okay, and just, you know, being on both sides of the equator and, and actually just in the U.S., being from the U.S., living in the United Kingdom, can you share your thoughts on what Robert has said and also, the, you
3: know, your personal opinions
2: through, through looking through your lens, so to speak?
3: Well, I I think, actually, I think Robert has brought up some great points about the accessibility of education. And I think one of the things that I find very inspiring about what Robert has done is, is the understanding that education just isn't about reading and writing and mathematics. Those are critical life skills, but there are other huge life skills that People in the middle class, the upper middle class are able to give their children, whether that's arts lessons, you know, extra time in sports teams, um, music lessons, all of those things um, are what, you know, create a full education and are, are the life skills you need. So I think what Robert has done and what I've seen in successful programs um, other places is this, this connecting to the whole child, giving them opportunities, whether it's you know, life skills about how to use a knife and fork, whether it is access to sports, or, or you know, the, the ability to create, I think are critical pieces that make you able to succeed in life. It, it's not just about you know, sitting at a desk and learning to read and write, as important as those are, it's, it's understanding how you can participate in the bigger world, and so programs like Robert's, um, programs like one we saw in South Africa called Emibala, that is providing children with school uniforms, but also with arts and ballet and drama classes. These things are the critical pieces to education.
2: Wow! Wow! Well.
3: You know, I I can
2: actually say, you know, Jay, do you have any thoughts about what they've just shared? Hello Jay, did we lose you? Hm. Okay, I hope we didn't lose him. Uh Jay, are you there? Hello? Uh, Jay? Okay, well, we're going to, we seem to uh, have possibly lost Jay. We're going to go on to the next question. You know, um, Esther and, uh, sorry, Robert and Nicole, the way academics is taught today in school, what, you know, Nicole, you just touched on this. Robert, I'd like to know what you thought. What do you think is missing with the way academics is taught in School there in Kampala, and even in the West, Robert, because you have visited the West as well as then. You know, you teach every day in the Kampala with the youth. What do you think is missing?
4: Yeah, thank you very much for the question, Joshua. Sure. Uh, what is missing, I think, is the heart and the the holistic approach to education. Uh, just like Nicole was sharing, that uh, and as I say that education has been commercialized. Right now, uh, I can tell you that all entities they are after children passing the exam but not actually to understand and be empowered. No matter how they pass the exam, they want to see those big grades, but all someone scores a the distinction, then the school is making more money because all people who can afford they will actually their children to the same school. But when you take children on a personal basis to try to check and find out how competent they are, how they have developed their top skills you can be shocked. And uh, that is the trend. I think what is really missing is the value, the content of the education itself. Because you find children in class, they they recite, they just cram to pass exams. They actually revise past papers to know how to pass, because the exams have um, they have national exams. They are now all working for national exams. So when it comes to Blending in into the society, having the ability to thrive with the soft skills, with the critical thinking, with all other necessary skills, they are nowhere. And that's what really is happening. Because uh, that's why you find currently it's very hard to have uh, right now in Uganda, It's really very hard to really feel proud of a a kid that is really now being educated because you find they are lacking in so many ways. There are so many people with the papers, but nothing they can actually show or do. Potentially, they cannot even stand. They they don't even have the confidence because they know (laughs) they cannot do it. So, the missing component, I think. I know it all started in Uganda. When the education, when they privatized the education and uh, the government, before actually, before the universal education, the government or the public schools were the best in the country. The moment they declared them all to be free education, private schools was like a boom. And all the students and all the government ministers, none of them even has a kid in the public school. So... That is, I think, a, a missing component. And when you go to the private schools, they don't also have a content. They are after passing the exams to see how they can really maximize the number of students coming because they are passing the exams.
2: Uh, you know, Nicole, I would love for you to weigh in on this because I know that you have some experience in understanding this, and we've talked about it. In the past with you with Jay as well, we'd love for you to weigh in on your thoughts and and Nicole and Robert, if you could just talk a little louder and 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 uh, a little clearer from some, some of the background noise because I know that there it is there, and we apologize so Nicole, please let us know what you think
3: well i, I think I think Robert has just you know really nailed some critical issues um, and I think not just for Uganda but for education around the world, I think we are using a two things i think one is this this issue about teaching to exam i think is is a model that is hurting our children not only are we stealing their childhood from them we aren't educating them. you know what we're saying to them all that matters is memorizing these answers and performing on a test which you know, so they don't end up educated, they don't end up excited about learning, and they aren't prepared for the world of work, which is actually about problem-solving in many cases. Um, so if all you've done is memorize answers, you're not ready for work. Um, we're using an old industrial model about going and standing on an assembly line in the age of information. And whether you're in Uganda or Silicon Valley or Paris, you're expected to solve Problems in, in the workplace today. And, and we're not preparing them for that with, with that. And I think the other critical point Robert's bringing up about the commercialization of education is critical. And, you know, whether it is the continued dominance of private schools in the U.K., the move to charter schools in the U.S. that are, that are profit-making... Or as he was saying, the the, the commercialization of schools in Uganda—all of those things are not about our children. Those are about profit making and not turning out a generation of children that are educated. Um, so I, I think what we're seeing is, you know, a lot of connections around the world in in how we are failing our children, and and. All of these things are connected, and all of us are connected. And I think these dialogues we're having are, are, the, are the way we can start learning from each other and finding the best practices. You know, let's, let's get sport back into education. Let's get chess into education. Let's get debate club in there. Let's give these children the skills they need to succeed in life and to be happy, successful people, not just monetarily but in their mental
2: health as well. Well, that's going to definitely touch on another question uh, from us at the end with uh, Nicole, with you and Robert. Uh, Jay, I know you had a very important question for them. Hi, Jay. Hey,
0: really how you are you doing
2: there? Can you hear me now? Hi, Jay. Yes, we can. Yes, we can.
0: Oh, good, good, good. How is everybody?
3: Great, thanks. Uh, okay,
0: wonderful. well, my question is to, uh, well, to Esther, to you, is, um, did we lose you again, Jay? Esther, Esther, you you shared the life of three teenagers in Uganda. Now, do you think the game of chess? Would help these teens learn life's lessons and improve their academic performances. And and, and you and you weigh in too, Nicole, because I'm just wondering: uh, Do you guys think that that the chess, by like teaching them the game of chess, would help these teens learn life's lessons and improve their academic performances? Is
3: Esther? I mean, I'm happy to answer. And is Esther is on, Dale? No, no,
2: no, no, um, he meant that for Robert, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. We're sorry. Robert, do, do you... Um... Oh, yes,
4: yes. Yeah, thank you very much for, for the question. Uh, I would say absolutely, yes. And uh, especially, that is, I would say, that's my philosophy of uh, <laughs> using chess as uh, an empowerment tool, as an, just an academic tool but uh, we are using it now to try to evolve the critical thinking ability and we develop both uh, sides of the brain both the responsive and then the creativity one as well and uh, with chess basically what we did emphasize especially with the children we were working with is, to me it doesn't so much matter for you to win the chess what matters is how you manage the brain into your lifestyle to make things happen in life, to be a problem solver in life. As you sit down on the chessboard and you weigh options, you analyze before you make a decision. I, I love to see that apply into your day-to-day life situation, and that is always my core. That is the gift of my all of foundation work. And uh, I have seen this happen. I have seen this work amazingly. And uh, um, I cannot even in any way regret for what actually it, it can really add, too. I know sometimes people say, oh, chess is not academic, but I think it's even goes beyond that, because whatever we do in life, it's uh, we, it's all chess, basically. But the only challenge we have is that our children have not been given an opportunity to train in these important values, these statues for life. But when you get to the chessboard, now, you say, fine, you're going to play, fine. Then I want you to learn, oh, how are you managing time? That's why we have a test to Then, how you how mm. do you make the right decision? Because even in life, we are faced with so many options. But what makes you go for a certain decision? So when we get to the test, code, we are playing in a funny way. We are enjoying the current so We are evolving these fundamental values in life. So when, even when it comes to academics, The the value, you cannot, like in all academics, you cannot teach children how to win. But when they sit on the chessboard, automatically they're concerned to to think for the difference. He
2: might know his way. Nicole, what are your thoughts, Nicole?
3: I I, I actually, when when I... you know, when the movie The Queen of Kwame came out, I looked at my husband and I said, you know, this is so inspiring. And when I was reading Robert's story earlier, I I just think he has found a way that, that really does express, you know, something very fundamental. You know, I, I am a terrible chess player, Robert, so I might have to come to Uganda and sit with your smallest children. Um, but, you know chess, in particular, board games in general, they're about strategy. They're about thinking ahead. And, you know, that's a critical life skill. If you can't understand the impact of your action today on your life tomorrow, you're going to struggle to to make anything of yourself. And I think, too, while it's not about winning and losing, learning to lose, learning to make a mistake, and figuring out how to not make that mistake again is is something that is is very difficult to do and the more children are able to play the more they're going to learn those lessons so i i'm just i find robert's work and his his ethos just very inspiring and you know if if we could replicate robert in every school in the world i think the the world would be a better place
2: thank you wow uh, you know Jay, um I would love for you to to weigh in on your thoughts about what Nicole and Robert have shared here while I bring in Esther and Bobzie, I'd love for you all three of you to share your thoughts about this together, just you know dialogue here a little bit because this is quite interesting okay um
0: robert um i you know i play I play chess now, I might not be as good as you. But I've noticed that when I – I won a couple of chess championships when I was in junior high school. But when it, it, it enabled me to focus. So I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking that um, these, the, the children that you uh, taught or that you, you shared this chess uh, strategy with, they have grown up and they now have been able to focus better on life's challenges. Would you say that? Robert? Yeah, actually, it's not even after growing up. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Um, like I said, I, I've won Can a couple of chess... Junior, okay, i I won a couple of junior chess championships at, as a kid. And I've noticed, as me being an adult, by me playing chess, it enabled me to focus better on things that I wanted to achieve. And so I was wondering, did this... Uh, strategy helped the kids to. Uh, they're probably a lot older now. H- did Did you see them uh, advance as far as they're focusing and being more attentive in life's goals? Did it Did it help the children focus a lot better by them learning how to play the game of chess?
4: Yes, absolutely. Yes, it and that's uh, yes. But I talk about the pioneers. If I can tell you now, uh, the movie is now portraying the pioneers all the pioneers currently are the instructors and one person, who are now teaching the rest one more other nations to empower others as we started they were ne- not even non- not having any hope in their eyes but right. even as speak to, tomorrow i'm sending off one of the pioneers to go to budapest in hungary hmm. going to be there for a whole week teaching and and but this is the kid who has grown up of Islam, is one portrait in the book as well and there are others that to it. how people? Because, if you that as a business, never only just focus, but to realize their potential in life. They say, wow, we can make it if you put our i can't <laughs> it. And just as it all says, it's not about losing and winning. And even in life, everyone in life, we all experience, we all get frustration. But we have to fight uh, again. So we get all of these skills from the test. So you lose the test, you give up, you go and fight your physical side, you have to receive the time and move on. These are all times that are in there today. Now, the all the most.
0: Wow, interesting. Uh, Nicole, did you weigh in? Do you play chess, Nicole, or do you um see the advantages you know, I, of I, learning? I,
3: I sadly know I know how to move the pieces, but I have never been a very good chess player. My um my husband is a very good chess but, player, my oldest son is a very good chess player. Um but, you know, I've, I've never quite gotten to, I've, I've never quite gotten as far as the strategy, which, which I'm really actually embarrassed about. Um, but I, I do think, you know, we've, we've always played a lot of games, and I do think the ability to play a game helps your focus and, and is such a good teaching moment, um, whatever that game is, that, you know, I, I think it's, it's a wonderful life skill. And I think, too, with chess, you know, when you look around cities all over the world, there are people on the, you know, in in public parks on the beachfront playing chess, and what a great way to connect and meet people as well. Yes, um, Nicole, I'm
2: sorry to interrupt you, but we've brought Esther and Bababzi on the, to the call right now. Esther, please say hello to Nicole Conde Duncan and your fellow countryman Robert Katende, who's also in Kapala, and Nicole who has uh, so graciously brought this programming today to us, and uh, she is based in the United Kingdom. And then you have Jay Logan on the call, who is based in San Francisco, and our co-host. And I am Gail Davis, as you know, and I'm based in New York. And um, I'm sorry to interrupt everyone, because I could hear you're getting into an amazing uh, uh, dialogue here. But I wanted to bring Esther in, and Esther, sorry to just kind of throw you in here, But um, I know we all don't have much time. Esther, we have been talking about the importance of chess. And as you know, uh, Robert Katende has the SOM Chess Academy in Kampala. He was the real coach out of Queen of Katwe. Um, Nicole is an international photographer, business consultant, humanitarian. She has traveled so many countries. uh, Just recently back from Kenya, uh, on doing uh, some photography that I we can't wait to share with the public. And Esther, recently you were written up in the New York Times by James Estrin for the work you did on depicting the lives through photography, uh, journalism, and documentary format of three teenagers. Okay, and the three different lives they lead. I have a specific question for you that I'd like all of us to get into on in discussion. Three teenagers leading three different lives, Um, one who's like really on the streets of Kampala, another one who comes from a wealthy background, and another one who's extremely religious. I want you to tell us what was life like for those three teenagers, you know, in a few short sentences, and then tell us how you think what Robert does with the game of chess would help the lives of teenagers in Kampala and how what Nicole does with traveling around the world, sharing the experiences of travel of the people of those countries, how that would also help the teens in Kampala to travel and learn. Can you uh, bring us into your world and your lens through that with the audience? Um, well,
1: sorry for coming in late. So you have to appreciate um to so the topic, I think I think what Robert is doing is really really important, especially because many young people don't get so much opportunity to explore their talents and skills and get opportunities to to learn more and express the passions that they have. I specifically documented um, the girl in the village. So now there's no chance that you even get to know what chess is. You know, because it's within the village first of all, it's very hard to accept a formal education, a normal formal education. And if she does, it's going to be only for the decades. So it it's activity like what like chess and other mind games and even physical games like netball, football, cocaine because they're brought out to kids in different situations. I think it would be very, very helpful for the young people. Like so that the girl that I documented from his background of Esther, crazy. we can hear
2: we can't hear you too well, Esther, it's going in and out a little bit. I'm sorry, if you could uh just oh. okay, there we go. I can hear you now better.
1: Okay, um I was saying um that the the rural the children in the rural areas of Uganda the don't get so much opportunity but um I was giving an example of the the girl that I documented in the urban areas coming from a water background to an international school, and at the international school they teach an international curriculum, they do co-curricular activities, to just
2: to play the piano, to Are you hearing me? Uh, yes, can someone mute themselves in the background, please? Uh, Robert, I believe that may be you, oh. right, just a moment. Robert, could you mute yourself in the background? Great, thank you, um, Esther. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Oh, um, yeah, I was saying as um, nice for her because she has the opportunity to go to this uh, fantasy school. She gets the opportunity to learn all the different skills and passions and she gets to follow what she wants to take on in life. While in most of the schools it's just not an option. So for me, having such, uh, such an activity going on, like in the slums of Kampala, in the rural areas of Kampala, teaching kids to play chess, to learn all of these other games and actually follow through to be world champions. That's, that's like the best thing that can happen to them, because most of them know nothing about these games in the first
2: place. Wow. Robert, um Robert and Nicole, I would love for you to weigh in on what Esther has shared.
3: Hello? Hi. Um well I I, I you know, first of all, Esther, I'm I'm so excited to talk to you because I, I read the uh profile in the New York Times last week when it came out. So um the opportunity to talk to you is really wonderful. Um and you know, I, I think Esther's raised some great points. That you know, we the the children need these these opportunities to to expand their horizons. And whether you're in a, a rural setting or an urban setting, um, you know that, that that presents to you different opportunities. But if you're struggling to survive, you're not going to have them. But everybody can find a way to create. We can we can give people ways to to engage, to to see a bigger world and, and I think to you know, to develop their skills and it doesn't have to be big expensive computer programs. It it can be a chessboard. It can be a deck of cards. It can be you know it can be a camera in somebody's hand. And all of those things um, will will give children self confidence and give them some skills to, to make their way in the world.
2: Robert, what you, what is your thoughts? I really want you to weigh in on this, Robert, please.
4: Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I thank you also, Esther, for coming on line as well. Uh, for sure, I believe that every person has a bit of excellence that only needs to be nurtured for so them to realize their full potential in life. And I have seen this not happening in the, my
2: position. Robert we cannot hear you I'm sorry can you uh uh we cannot hear you
1: um, no, the connection is terrible
2: Robert we cannot hear you hello robert robert we, we can hear you just that second. If you could uh, come.
4: Can you hear me now?
2: Yes, we can. Very well. Thank you so much.
4: <laughs> uh, I have a program running in Google. Last weekend, I had a team of Italian uh, girls for 14 years. They came to the nationals. Before they were lacking the confidence, because they are from the rural setting, when they are coming to Kampala, they cannot even make They came to Kampala, participated in the national event, and they were challenging even the boys in the primary category, and they emerged the champions. They are still testing. You cannot tell them People tell them, from the Lord, you are from the you cannot do this. Now they come, even realize that they can express themselves well in the same way. that that's still there. Because at the end of the day, what makes the change has to come from within. If you don't believe in yourself, you can't make it happen in life. So building these bodies in life, that is very, really very, very important. And we should not miss that when we are empowering the youth to that self-esteem. The moment you lose it, then you can't achieve. Even when you know something, you will really lack the confidence to do it. We
2: truly thank you for that. Um, if everyone could mute out when, there's, uh, when others are speaking, it would be helpful because we can hear background noise, and we know that it's you know calls from around the world. And we apologize to the three of you and to the audience. Sarah. We'll be better audible the next time we have the three of you on. Uh, Jay, you have a very important question about music to all three of them.
0: Yes, and this, this goes to Esther, uh, Nicole, and Robert. For um, so the three of you, how does music play a role in the quality of life for young people? And each one and each can answer. Um,
4: yeah, thank you. Can you.
2: Okay. Well, uh, yes, Robert. We'll start with you since you're in Uganda. Uh, Yeah, if you could stay right there and not move, that would be great. Um, uh, Jay, would you repeat your question, please? Yeah. How does music
0: play a role in the quality of life for young people? Robert.
2: Um, Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Robert. Hello. Robert?
1: Yes. Can I? Uh,
2: no. You know what, Robert? We'll we'll come right back to you because we can't hear you too well, and so we'll come right back to you. Um, Nicole, would you share with us how uh, the answer to that question?
3: I I, I mean I think I think there's two things about music. I think one is it is a way to express yourself whether you're making the music or listening to the music there is music out there that that sort of you know suits any mood and emotion so when you need you need perking up when you want to dance it out when you're angry all of those things are available in music um i think the other piece of that is that it connects you it's it's like reading it makes you realize you're not alone you know that your struggles are not just yours when you hear something you're you're part of something bigger so um, I think I think you know I think music and I think it, it taps into a different part of our brain too. I think um, one of the things that resonated with me in, in Esther's story was when she talked about um, the young man who was who was going out and clubbing and, and kind of trying to trying to make a life and I thought that you know you could you could see that story anywhere, and I think that's such a wonderful thing about music is that it ties us together and and we find rhythms that that we can all enjoy um so I, I i think it's 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 you know it's such a it's such a critical part and back to the discussion we were having before um about different parts of education, I think when you've seen schools that have in the u s that have taken out their music curriculums, you see people's grades suffer um because music music does help our brains so I think it's I think it's a part of education I think it's a part of life and I think it's a part of that youthful experience to go create music
2: wow. well um, great um, and, and, and music does studies show that music actually improves academic performance um, Esther would you share with us what you think how music because one of the students that you depicted his life, was into music quite, uh, quite a bit. Um, I ask that everyone mute out, mute out while Esther speaks. Um, please mute your phones, everyone, as Esther speaks. Can you tell us how you think Esther music uh, supports academic achievement and helps youth in their life, no matter whether it's Kampala or anywhere else?
1: Um, I think... Talking about music in the academic sense is different from talking about music in daily life, kind of enrichment. Uh, when I was talking to two young teenagers, um, the one who had music classes from school, she took it more as a cut of six, just a session of class that she had to do to cut and get her math. While well, the young boy from the eastern part of the country, he was into deep dance, he would download, the new, he would go take his father to watch other music videos and teach himself the new dance moves. And for him, that was a way to present himself to the world. He would go an extra mile to borrow a camera from a friend and make videos of himself dancing. The music that he likes, and he has a three thousand followers on Instagram. You know, it's so crazy, but it's something that motivates him to wake up every day and more practice, learn new dance moves. And he hopes that along the way he can get like an advertisement gig, he can get to be in a music video of someone else, he can get to choreograph some other dancers. So it's a big dream but it starts from this one thing that is passion, so he's passionate about dancing, and he's not dancing without music, so he he's already with headphones, listening to music, he knows every new song that comes out, he knows every dance song that comes out in November, and he tries to keep him up on the international level very well known. so to me it's inspiring because he's He's 18. I would sound like an like a young man, but in Uganda, it's the age that you are an adult. It's uh, the age that you start making things around you and being able to make decisions by yourself. And he's already doing this for like three years right now. For me, I believe music is a big part of the young people's lives regardless of where you are because if you, if, if you can music think and create something to it then you just have to plan or find ways of making it work so that you can keep doing that because it's what the passion is about.
2: Robert, would you please weigh in as well uh on what uh on the question from Jay of how you think music plays a, a role in the quality of, of life for young people.
1: It
4: does. Yeah, thank you very much. I, it I, does, I, definitely. I don't believe that... I, I'm sorry?
2: Uh, I... Oh, go ahead, yeah, Robert. I
4: think that uh, music, yeah, music is not any different from chess because it really helps the youth, the children to express themselves they get to discover who exactly they are. They can be able. This is emotional. It really brings their all of, all, all sense out, and they, it can also contribute greatly to their other skill because they get to discover themselves. Actually, to to, to help children for self actualization, discover who they are, to be able to express themselves, and uh, that's to achieve in so many other things. Because when you talk of education, education has so many other factors that contribute to it, which sometimes are neglected. But things like just things like music don't help the children to develop, those skills required to enhance the academic uh, area as well.
2: My last question uh, from Jay and I to all of you, and this is kind of like an open thing to talk about, you know, chess, chess is a game that bridges the gap from all generations. It allows both young and old, any age, to learn from each other. Um, Esther and Nicole, you both are in, you know, into international photography. Photography allows young and old to learn from each other because it teaches us to look through the lens, okay, to actually look through the lens of what we're seeing on the other side. So it's, we're, we're learning from each other because if, we're young, if the young is teaching the older or the older is teaching the younger, they're teaching each other to see each other's perspective through photography and through the lens and learning to tell their stories as well as collective stories of one another. At the same time, youth, you know, it's been said, you know, and, and Nicole, you and I have had this conversation, you know, some youth at times do feel like they're self-entitled there's some youth, you know, we were all young at one time. We want to know everything. Sometimes I've talked to youth and I've said to them, you know, do you feel like sometimes your future is being taken away from you because you're, you know, when you get out of high school and college these days, it's like you're there to save the world. And I've talked to, I would have to say, in the last couple of years, thousands of youth because of, of my travels, and Jay has well. And what they say to me is, oh, I can't admit that because, my parents got to have their life, and now we're kind of being dictated to subconsciously to save the world for the future. Not because there's a mess we feel you left, but just because that's the society's latest trend. And so, my question to you is: Are we being, you know, how do you see one, it, um, do you see that the, you know, chess and photography are a beautiful way to bridge a gap between? all ages, and number two, do you agree with some of the youth that we should just let them live their lives and not have these messages coming into them that the world is this way and you've got to save it, you know? Uh, Let them just live their life like Steve Jobs did and all the other people and let them make their mistakes along the way so that they can, too, grow up into the human beings that they want to by choice. I'd love to know all of your thoughts about this, and Nicole, And Esther and and Robert, I know you can't wait to get in on this, okay, and Jay. So, Nicole, I definitely, in this case, I want to start with you. I want to know what your thoughts are. Um,
3: You know, I I think we have put an enormous amount of pressure on young people. Um, I think a little bit because we can now communicate so broadly. Um, And every time we hold up a model and, and, you know, say, See what this person did at 15, and they're changing the world. It, it sends this message that if you're not doing that, you're failing. And I think that's not true. And I think it, I agree with you. It's not fair. Um, I think the other trend that's happening demographically is that the you know Europe and the United States after the Second World War had a huge baby boom. Um, you know, much like you know we, we were talking about Uganda having a huge youth pop, population now. The, the U.S. and Europe had that in the 1950s and 60s, and we're seeing them age now. And it, it looks like an opportunity for a sea change of things to come. And it's very easy to look at it's the millennials and Generation Z and go, now's your moment. You can fix it all because we didn't. Um, and I, I think it is. I think it's 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 on the one hand, we want to be sending people the message that, you as an individual can change things. You know, you're not disempowered. You're not, you're, you don't have to be stuck. Every little thing you do can matter, but we don't want to be sending the message that everything you do has to be for a bigger, greater good, and you should live your life. I think it's, it's a very difficult thing. Um, I think, you know, Esther's, Esther's photos, hand, you know, taking pictures and showing people's lives shows people that they, they, they have a voice and, and people see them, which I think is incredibly important. Robert, working with all of these children, shows them that their lives are important, that, you know, they have a huge amount of self-worth uh, or that they have a huge amount of worth and then they have to develop into, you know, that self-worth that he was talking about. Um, you know, how we then don't go too far and putting pressure and saying everything you do is about changing the world, I think it's, it's very difficult, um, particularly for a generation that's online and, and in touch all the time. Um, and, you know, I I, I, just think, I think it's a difficult balance, and I think we are asking a lot of people, But and and I think young people actually ought to be turning around to people my age and going, you go make a difference. You know, you, you be the change you want to see, too. I think they should be throwing it back to the rest of us. Um so anyway i'm 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 hopeful for the world, but I also realize that you know we've all got we've all got to be part of this solution and and we've all got to be part of what's happening in the world
2: Robert um please weigh in on this. You and I have had this conversation on the last radio show about how we think that youth and um adults can connect with each other and the pressure on the youth today what do you think about what Nicole says and what you know just your overall thoughts when you're working with youth every day
4: yeah I think one thing uh, which, is, which has to be very clear and very fundamental is that in life we all need mentors I think that is the component which is missing in some of the youth's lives like they just grow but they need, they need to be a mentor are, there is a need for a mentor someone who can identify some of the things you may not even be able to realize in your life, and then they guide you to go through that journey. Uh, I don't agree with just allowing children to go anyhow because when you just come to the structure, the, let me say, I take an example for Uganda, but anywhere else in the world, there has to be guidance, there has to be love, there has to be genuine care, where someone will come in and say, hey, you have uh, this potential. Can really work towards this and it happens. But the only challenge we have sometimes that uh, you find, I know in, uh, in Uganda the culture somehow failed us, but I've been in the U.S., I've been in other countries as well, and you find how parents, how the, the, the parents coerce the children for taxes. They don't allow the children to fail. So eventually they are haunting the children and they, they end up losing their self-esteem. But I think a mentor will really... Um, Get you on the road and guide you along the journey. You fail and then you can get up. Let us move on. I think uh, that is, which is, that's something which we shouldn't really disregard. And I just wish that every child had a mentor. Sometimes that mentor may not even be a parent, but someone who can be there, willing to stand and guide you along the way, to be the best you can be in life.
2: And Esther, would you please weigh in? Esther, um, your your phone was going in and out before. We really want to get with you uh, your thoughts on this. Would you um, please share your thoughts with us on this subject?
1: Um, actually I actually would like to you to repeat the question again because I wasn't I was getting a because I didn't want to interrupt.
2: I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear you. I'm um, to say the I, I, We can't hear you too well, Esther.
3: I think she couldn't uh, hear the question, Gail. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so the question is, Esther, what are your thoughts about young, you know, uh, young and old um, together, you know, um, using things like chess and photography? and things of that nature to bring young and old together across all generations, as well as, wow. the, as well as the pressure on young people today to feel like they have to save the world rather than just living their own journey in their own life without that added pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. What
2: are your thoughts on that?
1: Um. Right. So speaking from a country which is the second youngest in the world, I believe there, there is no match that is bridging between the, the elderly generation and the young generation. So over 78% of the Uganda population is under the age of 30. So that's a lot. And only just about 3% of the population is over 65. So that means there's a huge gap between the young people and the elderly people, and there's nothing that has been done to bridge the gap. I mean, people still relate in terms of family, but that is also kind of keeping the elderly people in this hierarchy position where they're like, so they're like the, the guardians of the knowledge, the elderly people, so the young people at the same time feel like we're young, what we're experiencing right now is nothing that the elderly people know, we're in this technology era, we have WhatsApp, we can just video chat with our friends, we don't our, our elderly people won't have the video chat on their phones, they won't even know how to use a smartphone so it's like the young people are in this bubble which is so cool and vibrant, and they kind of engage with each other, but at the same time, they respect the elderly people, but there is nothing that is making you to come to a point in between where right? you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this game where we was playing with the elderly people. I really have fun there, because then we get to talk about this and this and this, and we get to experience this and this. It's not there. and and I feel like those are things that need to be worked on, but it, it, it actually leads me to the second question about the burden that the young people get to feel. In a country where it's mostly young people, I feel like it, we're taking this to be the father of the day. You, we are responsible for what tomorrow is. And when I was starting to document the young people, my aim was to show the life that we are living right now. How are we living right now? We know in a few years we're going to be the elderly population. And i is going to be mostly elderly population because over 78% of the population is under 30. Then in 30 years we're going to be the elderly population. And if there's nothing that's done with us right now, the young people, then we're not going to prepare for what comes in the future. We are responsible for the future because we are the future. We're going to be in that place that we are right now not wanting to associate with. Right now we're like, oh, those people are old. They're old. They live their life. But what are we doing right now? Are we living our life? It's not, and we will never live it because in the future we're going to be the people that <laughs> never got to live their life in they were young. So, for me, it comes to a point where we have to balance both of these things. We have to live as young people, but at the same time, we have to think of the future. Because in the end, it's going to be um, a whole a, a country with elderly people. And right now, not many people think of it, not many people see it that way. I personally, before I started that project, I didn't. I actually we didn't realize that almost everyone I knew was young apart from my parents. And when I actually started thinking a bit deep deeper, I realized that everyone I know is young, and you don't know that, you don't realize that because you've been born into that. You're living with that. And the other people we know are, like, very so high up there, so far away there. And even if we have them in our daily life, we don't connect with them so much from, like, through games or at events or something. which are very important. So, for me, it feels like, in the end, young people do need to live a young life, especially here in Uganda. I mean, I don't know if it's not Uganda, but so I know. But we do need to live, like, young people. But at the same time, we have to can incorporate the elderly generation into this because they are where we are heading and we need to know how to plan better because in a few years the country is going to be like, it's going to have a lot of elderly people who are not
2: planned for Jay, can you, would you weigh in on your thoughts as well, please, and then we will close the call with everyone. I sure will, Gail.
0: Um, now, you know, kids all over the world, there's, there's a big generation gap there. Yeah. One situation happened where um, one of our friends, they got locked. Their kids got locked up into this room. So, Gail, so you guys remember the old rotary Dial phones, right? So they were locked in the room. They didn't have a phone. They couldn't get out of this room. And they didn't know what that was. Actually, they didn't know that was a telephone that was hanging on the wall. But long did they know how to use the rotary phone? Um, so a security guard finally came in and said, hey, why didn't you use the phone? Well, they didn't know what it was. They thought it was some type of uh, contraption that you might order food on, and they didn't know how to work it. So it's a communication thing here. They don't know what typewriters are, um, but they know what an iPad is. They don't know what the uh, the rotary phone is, but they know what an iPhone is. So somehow uh, our generation, kind of like what Robert's saying, they need mentors um, to teach them that, you know, that we are the same because they consider us the older generation and, you know, they're faster and quicker and smarter and better. And so the kids right now, we definitely need to embrace them and try to get them to realize that we are all people throughout the world And we all have something in common because right now the gap is so wide right now with new technology, you know, like we might can't uh, use some of these apps on our phones as quick as the kids can. They can just learn. It's just natural for them. So we definitely need to mentor these young kids and try to get them to understand that there isn't an age generation gap. There isn't uh, old people and new and young people are the same. We're all people. We're not segregated. I think that that's what makes uh, kids uh, could respond better If they realize that there's no segregation There's no uh, You can't break it apart and say you're old And you're new uh, You're this and you're that We have to teach unity And unity is the key to try to educate these children And get them on the same Same journey that we all are on And just the, ch- the chess playing is beautiful because by playing chess Robert playing chess with these kids It allows them to interact with older people and that's what we need, interaction, Gail. And that's my whole thing. And me and you, Gail, we talked about interaction with these kids. We're going to have to go and interact with them because I, don't, I think, they're, they think they're a little bit brighter and smarter and quicker and faster. And they don't want inter- to – some of them, not all of them, don't want to interact with older people. But if they don't, we need to kind of um, push that button and push their buttons and get them to interact with the older generation so we can become one and be, uni- be, be in
2: unity together. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to end it on, on uh, an aspect with, first of all, thanking everyone for being on the show, and end it with an aspect that one, one time Robert Contende and I spoke on and, and, um, and also uh, Nicole spoke on. I think we all have our thoughts here. But the one thing I think we have to remember is to stop, I think we have become a society where we see the kids, we have a name and a label for everything. I think that when we were young, we probably thought we, were, we knew more than the older generation. But I think now, I do agree with Jay, there is a wider gap, but I think it's a wider gap because everything arises in language. And because everything arises in language, uh, a dollar bill would not be a dollar bill unless somewhere someone had created the name dollar bill. So I'm not saying that we don't have to put a name on something. You have to. But I think that we have to be careful in saying, oh, that's the older and that's the younger. I think we just have, because as Nicole said earlier, you know, society is, so, is moving so quickly. And uh, we ha- it's almost like the mental brain has to, to catch up at times because there's overwhelming amount of content. Uh, there's so much going on and available to youth any age. We have sexism. We have ageism. We have economic uh, classism. We have so many isms in society. Uh, we have fake news. We have just so much that can that's like a, a divide and conquer almost amongst factors, not just young and old, but just cutting into so many things that we have to find a way to just really connect with each other, just going back to the basics of, you know, what Nicole said, what um, Esther and Robert and all of us are saying, which is just really learning from each other, you know, Um, sitting with each other, connecting. And, you know, I just want to also remind all of us that when we were six, when we were 16, we don't do the same things as we did at six. And when we're 36, we don't do the same things as 26. So that keeps going. And as you get older, you learn more wisdom. So we have to allow each other to grow and open the space for ourselves to grow. You know, that is the basics. I think if we can start there, just allowing, just allowing, just being with each other as we are. And really, that gives us a chance to see what's going on around us. Uh, I think that what uh, Esther and, and, and all of us are doing in different ways of taking ourselves off of technology and engaging and having one-on-one conversations that brings us back to the core of who we are as everyday human beings. And if we can begin with that then we can begin to be responsible for, like, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which is no poverty or zero hunger. Because if I help you get a job or or Nicole helps uh, me get a job, then she's just ended poverty. Or if Robert invites someone in his home to have a bite to eat, he's just helped them not be hungry for the night, okay? And if Esther depicts someone in photography uh, that needs to go to school because they pay for school in – Africa at times, then she may have just helped uh, funding to go for, for quality education. So I think if we look at how we fundamentally can have uh, everything work, like all services and everything be, be in a, uh, a basis of equality for all, which hopefully we will get there one day, I think that the burden on youth will be different and they will live their life like we did with choice. So that is, that's the only thing that we can hope for. And we, uh, Nicole, we thank you for bringing this episode to us today. Um, I would love to see, you know, a project come out of this. I know I'm putting everyone on the spot. But I would love to see um, Nicole and Esther come together on maybe a photography project. I'd love to see, uh, we are going to support Robert Katende with the SOM Chess Academy. Uh, We're going to be working with him as a team to not only build funding, but to build awareness of what uh, Chess Provide. and um, you know, and Jay and I work from music to international affairs, so we will be supporting in all those areas and we will uh, supply all of the three of you with each other's information and we just thank you individually again this, this is brought to you by Nicole Condit Duncan photography. you can find her at Duncan blog on Instagram and on duncan uh, Duncan blog. photography online you can find Esther and Babob on Esther, E S T H E R M B A B A Z I dot com to learn more about her. You can find Robert Katende at the Robert Katende Initiative, which is Robert robertkatend dot org, R O B E R T K A T E N D E dot org. And this is also brought to you by Listen Give Savoy. Radio and Listen, Give Savoy Organizations, that's Listen, Give Initiative, and the Savoy, and also Bango Lemon Group and um, Software Sounds with Jay Logan. Thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this, and we hope to have you on again. Have a good day, everyone.
3: Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you.